Hello everyone, Arve Kaisar and welcome to That Time When, the comedy history programme where each week we tell you about some strange thing that happens in history. I am your host once again, Barnaby King, and joining me is my co-host, Amelia Edwards. Hello. Hello. Should we be saying Arve Kaisar? Do we appreciate this Kaisar? Um, probably not, but you know... You better respect him, because <laughs> otherwise bad stuff's going to happen. Well, that's very true. We are, after all, talking about Caligula. Yes, this is part two on our episodes on the Emperor Caligula, one of the maddest Roman emperors. But, you know, there's 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 some re-evaluation to be had. Very good. I mean, we have previously learned that his name means little boots. Little boots. Which automatically just makes me feel different about him oh yeah absolutely but yes last week we covered the early years of caligula including his captivity under tiberius and Mm -hmm. the execution of quite a lot of his family yep that's not going to do great stuff for your mental health nope and then the death of tiberius and caligula's ascension to the throne Mm, where he did a good job he did a pretty good job there were some stuff that you know was the right thing to do he revoked a lot of tiberius's weird stuff Mm -hmm. and also gave the people what they wanted really in the form of you know entertainment and money yep so he was doing pretty well but as we said last time uh some historians take an illness in his life to be a turning point for him okay so, as I said before, the evidence is a bit scant for it. Some people are quite insistent on it, but, okay. you know, it's probably more, like, it's less of a dynamic he was good before this and bad after this, and probably there's a bit more of both. Sure. But basically, where we kind of left off, Caligula had been laid up, uh, it was about six or seven months into his reign, and he was deathly ill. Okay. To the point where it was looking uncertain if he was going to survive do we know what this illness was we have no idea the sources we have of this illness don't speak of it very much at all so we don't know what nature it takes Mm. it's possible that it was an attempted poisoning yeah i mentioned this last time because he had already passed some laws that were not popular among the uh higher circles of the senate Mm -hmm. um and really the people you want to keep happy as a Roman emperor are the Senate and the Praetorian Guard. Yeah. Um, Okay, so I'm starting to lean towards it was a poisoning and then after that he gets a bit uh, suspicious of people. Yeah. You know, Henry VIII style. I mean, yes. It's only because we've started watching I, Claudius again (laughs) and my God, in two episodes, Olivia starts... Uh, poisoning like 10 people, yes. 12 people, some ridiculous number. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, there, it was definitely quite common. Uh, after all, back in the episode on Tiberius, I talked about how murder wasn't really, you know, a federal crime, as it were, yeah. because senators wanted to be able to bump each other off. <laughs> yeah, which is, <laughs> that's worrying when that's written into your laws. Yeah, pretty much. So Caligula does get better. But after this illness, he definitely does do a few things that are quite extreme. Okay. Firstly, he thinks he's been poisoned. Okay. So he has his brother-in-law and father-in-law executed. Whoa, okay. Because he claims that they are the ones responsible for this. Does he have any proof that they were the ones responsible for this? No, he doesn't. And that is a theme that will emerge quite a lot during Caligula's reign. I mean, it's tricky with poisoning to work out who's been doing it. If you're past the age when 
Livia is alive and yes, murdering exactly. everyone. Yeah. Yeah. So I think there was definitely a feeling that, you know, someone has to be blamed. Okay. And so these guys. Yeah. Absolutely. They've been off with me recently. It's probably them. Yeah. Okay. This is uh, a bad move for a couple of reasons. Namely, his grandmother is so upset by this mm-hmm. that she starts petitioning him to basically stop being a shit. Mm-hmm. And he torments her so much that she ends up committing suicide. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's pretty nasty. This is going to be a hilarious episode. Oh, I can just tell. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um this is okay so a lot of this that i'm going to be talking about in this episode is directly from suetonius okay and i mentioned last episode that he is one of the two main sources we have on caligula yeah and this is one of the reasons why caligula is seeing a bit of a uh re-evaluation because suetonius is definitely trying to portray caligula in a bad light yes And there are certain things that Suetonius claims that we don't really have any other evidence for. He is the one and only source. But because when we're talking about antiquity, we tend to have like one source yeah yeah, he's generally considered to be you know this is the gospel truth right but that's super awkward because he was writing what 60 years after Caligula died yeah so and it was definitely the case that at the time they were trying to play down the successes of the Julio-Claudian dynasty because Mm -hmm. we're in a new dynasty and we can't be looking back and being like, those guys were great, much better than our guys now. Oh God, imagine if somebody in the future found our podcast and it was the only (laughs) thing. Yes. Their idea of history would just be batshit. It'd be quite good though. (laughs) (laughs) Oh dear, what a a way to leave a legacy. So Caligula's um, suspicion and kind of, well, let's just say madness, yeah. does not ju- is not simply confined to his close family. There were two senators who made some very public remarks while Caligula was ill. Oh, how rude. Well, no, these were quite positive, really. Okay. The first, a fairly old man, said that if the gods would allow Caligula to live, then he would basically give up being a senator and become a gladiator instead and the second and the second publicly said that the gods could take his life in exchange for caligula's okay caligula when he recovers and hears about this decides that he's going to make these two men stick to their word oh no so he makes the first senator a gladiator yep and doesn't release him until he has properly won a combat and he's an old man and he's an old man right um and the second caligula basically sends him a knife and says go on then yeah Yeah. go on then and he does indeed kill himself oh god yeah yeah caligula he's interesting Mm -hmm. i'm gonna talk about some of the kind of theories about him later on right now i'm gonna kind of play the part of Suetonius and just kind of list his crimes. Sure. I mean, <laughs> that that view on the world is quite interesting. Mm. It, it reminds me of this one episode of Frasier. Yeah. When 
Uh, I'm curious to see where this goes, where Fraser forces his brother-in-law to kill himself. No, no, no. So it's when it's in a sort of mid to late episode where Niles has his heart attack. Oh, and, yes. And Fraser makes this promise to God yeah. that he's going to do better. And then he finds out that Daphne has already promised yes. to God that so she's going to do good work. So it's already sorted. Yeah. But he's kind of worried that if he doesn't stick to his promise yeah. then either Niles will have another heart attack or he'll get struck down or something but yeah. maybe Caligula felt that if these men didn't stick to their words that's quite possible then the gods are going to go back on that promise yeah that's actually I hadn't considered that as a possibility but it does kind like, of make sense if you've got that kind of logic mm. then yeah they'd be going against their promise yeah and what happens then and Caligula definitely seems to have a sort of twisted logic to him yeah kind of characteristic of his reign is he does things that an emperor should do yeah but he does them in such an odd way and like such a weird slant on it that it just is entirely wrong and yeah. it, it like offends or hurts everybody okay so maybe i hadn't considered that maybe this wasn't cruelty maybe this was like self-preservation like i i could see him being like that yeah that makes a lot of sense so last time we talked about part of uh, Caligula being a good emperor was that he uh, produced a lot of wealth for the masses. He yeah. threw out coins to the populace. He gave generous bonuses to the military. And he was putting on these gladiatorial spectacles and reopening the circuses. Does this make Rome broke? Well, not just this. Okay. Because the extravagance goes beyond these entertainments for the people and tends to start focusing more on Caligula. Okay. And, you know, how he could live a life of extravagance, decadence, and luxury. Okay. This by no means makes him unique among Roman emperors, <laughs> but some of the stuff is a little bit... Hang on, Caligula. So just to give you some examples, and this is directly from uh, Suetonius... Mm-hmm. Uh, he invented new sorts of baths. Uh, he would bathe in hot or cold perfumed oils instead of water. Ooh. Which just seems gross. Like, can you imagine the smell? Because um, thinking about these, like, heavily perfumed oils. Yeah. And you've just got a bathtub of it. <laughs> I'm, okay, I'm just thinking about it in terms of aromatherapy. Mm. I really hope he used a carrier oil because... <laughs> There's all this stuff recently about people getting way too into the idea of aromatherapy oils being healing. Right. You don't want to put that straight on your skin. No, it's very, it's um, It can caustic. be quite dangerous. What's, what's the word I'm looking for? Just kind of harsh. It's harsh on your skin and yeah. it can have some weird results. Well, Caligula seemed quite fond of these, so mm-hmm. I don't think it was doing him any harm. So maybe, maybe he did have a carrier oil. One must there. hope. Yeah. Um, also, his feasts became incredibly extravagant. Okay. Uh, Suetonius writes that uh, a favorite drink of his mm-hmm. were pearls yeah. dissolved in vinegar. That sounds gross. It does sound gross, right? Like, that is just something you drink to show how wealthy you are. Yeah. It's like those incredibly pricey vodkas with gold in them. <laughs> it's like, this does yeah. nothing for you. It just ups the price. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of imagining that it must look like um, that J2O glitter that you get oh at Christmas. Oh my God, yeah. Like, with the whole, like, pearly sheen thing to it. Yeah, but 
<laughs> but much more but expensive. But also way more gross. vinegary. <laughs> like, yeah, I hope they added something afterwards. I really hope so too. Well, once you've had your dissolved pearls in mm-hmm, vinegar, mm-hmm. you could set da- uh, sit down for your meal and you would be given loaves of bread and meats made of gold. Great. Please, <laughs> please, please say this is gold leaf. Gold leaf? Suetonius doesn't say. I really hope it's gold leaf. I really hope so as well. But he does say, and set before his guest loaves and meats of gold, declaring that a man ought either to be frugal or Caesar. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I I mean, at least he's being very open about what he's doing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Again, later on, we'll talk about that. Okay. He had built a few... Things that were like, okay, a little bit odd. Right. I'm talking about two bridges, one of which I'll get to later. Okay. But the main bridge that is kind of like the weirder one Mm. is a bridge over the Gulf of Baiae. Okay, where's Baiae? It's on the northwest shore of the Gulf of Naples. Okay. So I'm taking it, it's it's not a super big gulf, is it? Um, It's not like Gulf of Mexico. (laughs) No, no, not quite. Uh, the distance of the gu- of the Gulf is about thirty six hundred paces, okay, so it's still okay. pretty large, but it's not you know enormous. Yeah. But the way he made this bridge was they got a lot of boats, merchant ships, and pontoons, mm-hmm. lashed them all together, yeah, then covered them with earth, right. And for two days, Caligula rode up and down on this bridge on his horse for two days. For two days. Okay. I'm not saying without stopping, but right. Two consecutive days, he went out, and this was what he did all day. Great. Now Sounds like a fun time. Well, he was... There are a few things that could be going on here. He was dressed up in some quite fancy clothes. Sure. So it's quite possible that he was just, you know... Catwalking. Yeah. It is also possible, um, and this is something that is... uh, it's, It's one of those things that's a bit nebulous with Roman history, but we're talking about kind of a prophecy here. Okay. Because uh, Suetonius says that Thrasyllus, the astrologer of Tiberius, said that Gaius, meaning Caligula, mm-hmm. had no more chance of becoming emperor than of riding over the Gulf of Baiae with his horses. Oh, I see. Okay. So it could be that this is Caligula's way of kind of going, look, I am this great, or yeah. I am this powerful, that your prophecies mean nothing to me. Yeah, or it could be like the whole um, trying to fulfill that prophecy, you know, like mm. Alexander and the Gordian knot kind Actually, of thing. Yeah, that also makes sense. Being like, the only man who can conquer the earth is one who can sort out this knot gets out of sort. Okay, then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I said I'll mention the other bridge later, but also he had two boats built. Now that in itself, nothing unreasonable, you know, no? it's probably quite a small amount of boats. That's, that's a very small number of boats as far as I'm aware. Yeah. These two boats were enormous. Okay. They were so big, they were lined with marble. Right. And they had 10 banks of oars. Okay. And people launched these ships going, the gods themselves cannot sink these ships. (laughs) Well, you know what? You're kind of not far off in terms of like the idea of them. Yeah. The smaller one was basically a massive temple to the goddess Diana. Okay. The larger one was a floating palace. Yeah. Uh, It was basically a cruise ship. Nice. Uh, On it, there were 
stern set with gems, mm-hmm. party-coloured sails, mm-hmm. huge spacious baths. <laughs> colon- but you're on the sea. I know, I know. Colonnades and banquet halls. Okay. And even a great variety of vines and fruit trees. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. He's so gaudy and I kind yeah. of love it. Oh, no, it is great. But, you know, these things are expensive as hell. Oh, yes. Yeah, it it is... Not going well as far as the treasury is concerned. I believe not, no. And this is why, in the year 39, Rome suffered a financial crisis. Amazing. Yeah. Well done, Caligula. He was so profligate and extravagant that he had apparently managed to spend the entirety of the 2.7 billion sesterces that Tiberius had accumulated during his reign. Okay, well, okay, let's do... Let's do a little um, bit of math then. Mm-hmm. Uh, what would a sestercii be today? Oh, I don't know. I know it's a quarter of a denarius. Okay. Uh, let's just have a look it up. So there's not a great deal of data on this. Fair. Uh, I've got someone here who reckons that one sesterce is about $1.67 US. Okay. So if he's spending how many billion sesterce? 2.7. In how many years? Uh, well, this was in the year 39. And okay. considering that he started his reign in the year 37. All right. Two years. I mean, okay. How much did the Tory party just spend on that conference room, though? <laughs> yes, but we also spend a lot more these days. That's true. Like, consider... But all I'm saying is, it's not marble. <laughs> That's true. But really, the financial, the uh, finances of the empire were in a pretty healthy state right. when Caligula started, and he practically managed to bankrupt them. Yeah. It never went completely bankrupt, and we know this because new coins were still being minted. Okay. uh, With Caligula's face on them. Lovely. Indeed. So it never went completely bankrupt, but there was definitely an, oh shit, we need to get more money and soon. Okay. So this is why you don't have this kind of monarchy where somebody's just come from being effectively a prisoner yeah and then you go okay you've had no training Mm -hmm. as far as we're aware except for whatever tiberius told (laughs) you you have no training of being an emperor but you do have training of being a wanker (laughs) (laughs) and so like we've not taught you how to do any budgeting or Mm -hmm. anything like that you know what go crazy do what you like yeah absolutely no that's not going to work out for anyone so in order to make money caligula does a few things okay and, of course, because it's Caligula, these are things that, you know, would be normal, but are done in a weird way. Are we talking weird taxes? Well, so yes, he introduces some new taxes. Mm-hmm. He taxes quite a lot of things, including marriage, uh, yep. prostitution, yep. legal affairs. Uh, anytime you pay a lawyer, basically you have to give a tithe to Caligula. I mean, that seems sensible to me, yeah. Publicans, by base, okay, so yeah, all all absolutely, this is normal stuff, like, yeah. he's taxing a lot of things, but you know, you'd kind of expect it, especially if the uh, finances of the empire are in a bit of a state. Yeah. The problem is, he doesn't actually really tell anyone about these taxes. 
What, he just launches it on people? Yeah. Oh, no. That's what happens when you do a poll tax. Yep. So what happens... Well, not only not only does he not tell them about this beforehand, he doesn't actually tell them about it while the tax is in place. Tiny messages are put up in really inconspicuous locations. Okay. Because then people can be arrested. Amazing. And once they're arrested, their assets can be seized. Incredible. Okay, yep. so it's like the Apple terms and conditions. Then. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. Yep. Yeah, he really is the sort of original terms and conditions thing. Where it's like, you have to really know where to look. And it specifically said that the writing was particularly small mm-hmm. so that it would be really hard to copy and put elsewhere. Right, so people couldn't like help others no. by putting it up everywhere. No, absolutely. The, the best you could do was tell someone, this is where this is put up. Yeah. In the end, I found it. <laughs> In the in the basement, <laughs> the lights were probably gone. Well, so were the stairs. <laughs> I found it in a locked vault in a disused lavatory with a sign on the door saying, "Beware, Beware of, of the, the leopard." leopard. <laughs> Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. For anyone who didn't get that, <laughs> yes, it is very much like that. Mm. So seizing these assets is getting in a a reasonable amount of money for Caligula, but, you know, he wants more because he's not going to give up his extravagant lifestyle. So he brings back the treason trials from Tiberius. Oh, no. Oh, Caligula, you were doing so well. And he's kept those papers. He's kept those papers so he can retroactively arrest people. Fab. And seize their assets. I love seizing people's assets. You know what? There is a surprising number of connections between Caligula and Henry VIII that I don't think I really appreciated before. Okay. Okay, so the deal with Henry VIII is, roughly speaking, Henry Mm -hmm. VII was very good at saving money. Yeah. And the English had a lot of money when Henry VIII came to power. Mm. And then Henry VIII was pretty profligate. Yeah. And used to have lots of fancy parties and things like that. Yeah. Um, He engaged in something called the Field of the Cloth of Gold, which was basically like a sporting event with France, which was apparently quite expensive. Right. Um, And then he was like, you know what? I need a lot of money. Let's dissolve the monasteries and seize their assets. (laughs) Okay, yeah, that's... um... Yeah, that's, that is quite a link. Yeah. Caligula had an interesting relationship with religion, though. Okay. Um, but we'll get to that in a little bit. I'm sure. going to stick with the money for the time being. Okay, because, because he's just seizing the assets of individuals. Yeah, right. and particularly he, he does go after some more high-born people. Makes sense. And he's kind of much worse than Tiberius because Tiberius at least had pretenses of like crimes yeah Caligula basically was arbitrary right and was just like arrest that man and take his stuff yeah and when they're like on what charge it's like I'm the emperor do what I say (laughs) great yeah yeah so I mentioned already that he was taxing the brothels yeah and Caligula is well known for being a sexual deviant, shall we say. Okay. There are already rumours that he committed incest with his three sisters. Yep. Particularly with uh, his sister Drusilla, mm-hmm. seemed to be his favourite. There's not a great deal of evidence for this. I might go into that a little bit later as sure. well. But Caligula is definitely intersex because he has a new brothel built. Okay. On the Palatine Hill. What? Yes. You can't build a brothel on the Palatine Hill. And it gets worse. Okay. Not only does he 
fill it out with sex workers. Sure. He also orders that highborn ladies have to work in there as well. Oh, God. Yeah. That's creepy, man. Including the wives of senators. That's really creepy. It's really creepy, and it is not on. I feel like we should mention, for those not in the know, that the Palatine Hill is a hill in Rome Mm. uh, where the palace of the emperors was built you've got your two main hills the Mm -hmm. palatine and the capital and like there was a belief that the palatine hill was where the romans originally started off yeah so it's like it's special in an almost sacred way to the romans yeah exactly and also that's so creepy making the wives of senators work as sex workers like that's possibly the worst thing i've heard from um caligula so far so far. Well, it gets worse. Hooray! So sticking with that theme, it was said that Caligula, he was very much into sex himself. Okay. And he didn't really care who he had sex with. Right. It was, it's said by Suetonius that at parties, if a senator had their wife along and mm-hmm. Caligula liked the look of her, he would just take her in the back great and have sex with her yep come back yeah and then loudly tell everyone what she was like in bed oh god yeah i really hope suetonius was making this up i really hope so too because that stuff is horrible i kind of imagine that he must have been because if he was doing this to lots of senators Mm. then there'd be a bit of a revolt right like people don't put up with that stuff. I mean, much. this is this is the suggestion of the historian Alois Vinterling, who mm. I'll talk about later, who is uh, quite big into this reevaluation of Caligula. Yeah, but we'll 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 put all that aside for the moment, mm-hmm. and we'll talk more about how uh, his financial difficulties were affecting Rome, because last time I was telling you that there was a lot of hope put on Caligula because Tiberius was so unpopular. And Caligula was the son of Germanicus, who was really popular. Yep. So everyone was kind of like, this is Augustus reborn. Yep. We're going to have a great empire again. It's going to be Germanicus. And yep. He's great. Yep. And Caligula's putting on all these gladiatorial shows. Mm-hmm. Despite the fact that Caligula's extravagances stay the same, he does not do the same for the Roman people. Okay. So those gladiatorial bouts start being performed by basically the weediest and straggliest people that they can get because they're much cheaper. Right, and also that one elderly senator. And that one elderly senator. Yeah, exactly. So the games are declining in quality. Yeah. And when when the people in charge of the arenas write to Caligula to say that they don't have enough fresh meat to feed the wild animals that they use in these fights, Mm -hmm. Caligula orders that condemned prisoners be fed to the animals instead. Oh my God. Okay. Right. And that's where we get the myth about Christians being thrown to the lions then. Um, Because uh, when I went to the Colosseum, they talked about this because there was sort of the popularly popularly held belief that Christians were fed to lions. Yeah. Um, which is not actually true, but I mm. could understand getting to that point where if you've gone, okay, Caligula, Caligula used to feed prisoners to the lions, and we know that Christians used to be prisoners, you kind of make a little link in your head and start yeah. doing that whole thing. So that's not actually true, but I could see now That does how make a lot of sense, it. yeah. So the next two kind of bad things that I'm going to talk about mm-hmm. are... 
in a way, some of the biggest ones. And I think they're probably the most accurate as to why uh, Caligula was very unpopular. Okay. Like, I think some of the stuff I've talked about already can be put down to Suetonius being a bit sensationalist. Sure. But one of the main things that there seems to be and that people, there's general agreement on, is that Caligula broke the great taboo in he deified himself while he was alive. Ah, okay. Now, for the Romans, deifying a dead emperor could happen. If if someone was very popular, then, you know, they could be made into a god. Augustus had already been made into a god. Yeah. Was Tiberius made into a god? No, because he was very unpopular. (laughs) Okay, fine. Yeah. But Augustus was popular. I mean, we had uh, Caligula finishing off the Temple of Augustus last time. But there is a big taboo about declaring yourself a living god. Yes, understandable. But Caligula definitely seems to be acting as if this is the case. Right. He frequently appears in public dressed as the various gods. Yeah. uh, Including Venus. Uh, Suetonius is pretty clear that Caligula's dress sense was pretty gender fluid. Okay. Well, that's Um, quite interesting. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Is that something that Suetonius might have embellished himself to try and make him seem like more effeminate yeah. and therefore not manly a and deviant, yeah. yes yeah. I, I suspect so okay that's a shame because otherwise that would be really cool it would be cool but we are talking about Caligula who's generally considered awful so. yeah 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 um he had statues brought over from Greece of the various gods and these are kind of like the most beautiful statues ever sure and has their heads removed and then replaced right. with images of his own head. Fabulous. Now, on a side note here, Suetonius describes Caligula as being pretty unattractive. Right. Uh, kind of like broad-shouldered but narrow head and very hairy. And Suetonius says that Caligula had made it essentially illegal to mention goats in his presence <laughs> because he looked a bit like a goat. Oh my God. What's the name of the Chinese premiere at the moment? Oh no, we shouldn't talk about that. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh dear. Uh, oh yes, yes. Uh, there are some Chinese agents here right now. Yes. Uh, hello fellas. <laughs> um, okay. So, uh, he's definitely feeling these kind of godly effects of his power. Of course. There's a story that he was at a dinner party, he was at a dinner party basically, and Mm -hmm. then just started to laugh for no reason. Okay. And someone got up the courage to ask, why is the emperor laughing? Mm. And he said, oh, I was just thinking that with no effort at all, I could have all of you killed. Good one, Caligula. I know, right? Hilarious. (laughs) Lol. (laughs) Uh, To further sort of cement his connection with the divine, he had a bridge built. This was the bridge I mentioned earlier. Okay. And this bridge joined the Palatine Hill Mm -hmm. and the Capitol Hill. Oh. And on the Capitol Hill is the main temple of Jupiter. Yes. And not only this, but the bridge passed over the temple of Augustus. Oh, come on, man. Like, no. Oh. So not only is he saying that he's a god, Mm -hmm. he's saying he's a better god than Augustus. 
Yeah, don't do that. No. People like Augustus. Yeah. You've only been emperor for like two years. Yeah, Calm down. absolutely. And he is now at this point really unpopular. There are a lot of arrests, a lot of executions. Mm-hmm. The senators are being treated appallingly. Yeah. Basically, there's no regard given to their rank whatsoever. And he's taking away a lot of stuff from the military. Oh, no. And this is something that's particularly bad because for the Romans, expanding the empire was one of the main duties that an emperor had. Yeah. And it's probably one of the reasons that Caligula was so unpopular was that he did nothing to expand the empire. Okay. He did actually go on campaign. But as I said before, Caligula kind of does this in a twisted way. Mm -hmm. So he first goes to Germania, to Germany. Yeah. And this has already been conquered. Right. So he gets a group of his um, Germanian soldiers, mm-hmm. dresses them up as Gauls, right. and sends them out to the forest and has a mock battle with them okay. with branches and sticks. They're then captured, in inverted commas, sure? and brought back to Rome and paraded as though they were the defeated army. That's so weird. It's so weird. He's laughing at doing his own job. Yeah, absolutely. That's insane. It is insane. Like, especially because... Did the Romans ever get, like, the whole of Germany and Poland and things? Because I'm certain that they didn't get all of it. No, no, no. I don't think they got far uh, east enough. Yeah, so there's still some land to conquer, Mm. like... You don't have to capture your own men no. and do a triumphal prose. Like, that's just so yeah. weird. Oh, God. But thinking about lands to conquer, there's another land that, you know, the Romans pretty interested in. They've Is been it England? There before. They've been there before and they'll go there again. Yes, Britannia. Britannia. Except, you know, tricky, because even Augustus couldn't get oh, Britannia. Yes. yes, but, you know, Caligula's going to do it. Mm-hmm. So he goes on campaign. Yeah. He brings his soldiers. Yeah. They get to the shore of the English Channel. Right. And Caligula looks out across the water and says, Well done. We did it. Now everyone collect your spoils. And he orders the men to use their helmets and fill them with seashells and seaweed and takes them back to Rome as if he has conquered Britain and these are the treasures that he's bringing back. Why? <laughs> so why would you do that? Well, there are a couple of theories. Um, the main one I'm going to go into later on, but there's possibility that this is a mistranslation. Okay. Because there was a uh, Britannian chieftain who had a name when translated is kind of similar to the Latin word for seashells. Okay, fair, right. So it's quite possible that he went there to accept a surrender from someone or accept tribute from someone. Okay, that would make sense. Yeah. Uh, There was another suggestion that this is a... uh, This is Suetonius being sensationalist and he was going out to basically go on army Mm manoeuvres. They just didn't manage to really achieve anything with them. Yeah. But it wasn't this kind of insane... Thing, yeah, but you know that that would make more sense. I mean, I could imagine if if he was being a sensible person, Caligula. Yeah. I could imagine him getting to the shores of the English Channel, mm. realizing that it's storm week, just like every time anyone <laughs> tries. Yes, anyone tries to invade Britannia. Yeah, and turning round yeah. and being like, guys, 
It's not worth it. Yeah, that would that would make a lot of sense. The English do not make good slaves. No, absolutely. As we learn from I Claudius. As we learn from I Claudius. <laughs> I mean, there's some silver and gold in the mountain mm. in the mountains of Wales. Yeah, and that's about it. Like, I mean, to be fair, um, the what the Romans didn't know about Britain was kind of how far it stretched. Yeah. So there was this belief that the, you could go on to Britain, there's basically like a whole other continent beyond right. to the north. Okay. So even if there's nothing particularly in the bits that they found, mm-hmm. doesn't mean that there isn't anything worth, you know, further on. That makes sense. Kind of like if you're looking at America and you're like... Exactly, it, yes. We've found Virginia. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. But as I say, Caligula completely fails to expand the empire in any way whatsoever. I don't think we should blame him too much for this. I mean, he had four years. <laughs> I mean, that's true. But but he's clearly not trying. He's clearly not trying. Okay. And he's just doing a lot of... Demi- he was He's demanding a lot and giving very little in return. Yeah. Uh, to the point where he... <laughs> He has two senators arrested because they didn't throw him a surprise birthday party, basically. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, that's so cute. <laughs> I mean, not really. No, I mean, it's, it's simultaneously not cute, but at the same time, he's just he's just so much like a little kid being like... I wanted a surprise yeah. birthday party. What can I do about this? Well, I'm the emperor, so I can arrest people. And like, that seems uh, yeah. to be like his logic. I do kind like of that. have this suspicion that Caligula never really grew up. Yeah. And it makes sense. Like we've already talked about, he had a pretty traumatic childhood. Yeah. I don't think he ever really learned how to be an adult. It it does sound a bit like that. It sounds yeah. a bit like he's like, at first he was really excited and he was throwing loads of parties for people and being yeah. like, I'm going to be great. And then he gets a bit too fixated on himself and he's mm-hmm. like, I just want to have loads of parties and I want everyone to know how good I am. Yeah. And yeah, and, and starts to become a little bit more selfish with it. Like, Yeah. He definitely had the capacity to love. Okay. Uh, we know this for, okay. Caligula had four wives during his lifetime, which is, I mean, that's not unusual for a Roman, but it is unusual for someone who only reached the age of 28. Yeah. Um, It seems like he kind of got bored of women very easily and then just cast them aside. Yeah. But there was someone who he did seem to love and adore with all his heart. Is this going where I think it's going? This person's name mm-hmm. was Incatatus and this person was a horse. Yep, that's exactly <laughs> where I thought it was going. Incatatus is a god, almost a legendary figure in his own right in yeah. in the Caligula story. So again, this is a possibly sensationalist, but Caligula is said to have built a, an enormous stables mm-hmm. just for Incatatus, and it was floored with marble because, you know, he's all about that marble flooring. Yeah. I mean, the Romans really loved their marble. I mean, they did, but Caligula definitely really liked his marble. The question is whether it was that special purple marble mm. thing. I forget what it's called, but it's too. absolutely everywhere and you can only get it from one mine or yeah. something. I mean, I, I imagine it probably would be because Caligula basically did everything... That like everything was only the best for Incatatus. Okay. Like he had the best food, he had the best groomsmen. Mm-hmm. Um he I think he appeared at dinners sometimes as well as nice. a guest. And I mean, that would have been great. Wouldn't that be great if a horse turned up for dinner? Yeah. I'd love it. And then there is the story that Caligula made him consul. Yes. 
This is actually not true. This is not what Suetonius says. Okay. He says that there were rumours that Caligula was planning to make Infertatus his consul. Okay. And this can be interpreted in a few ways. And again get to that a little bit later because sure. we're kind of we're, we're getting to the end of Caligula's uh, story yeah and then we can talk about some of the interpretations okay have you seen this um, amazing stables in I think it's it's somewhere like Dubai okay I'm not going to say for sure it's Dubai but it's yeah. a bit like that it's somewhere in the United Arab Emirates kind of area mm-hmm. um, and it is floored with marble ah. and it looks like a hotel for a fancy hotel for fancy Arab horses. Right. It's incredible. It it's really gaudy, but yeah, I'm I imagining mean, that. But... Yeah, that that sounds pretty much what like what Incatatus yeah, had. Except for this is for like several hundred horses yeah. instead of just for the one. Just the one. By the way, Incatatus means very speedy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Why are all the names so cute? I don't know. Okay. So the Romans, as well you know, were very fond of omens oh, and yeah. prophecies. So this part of the story we have to take with a huge pinch of salt. Okay. But someone approached him saying, beware the Ides of March. Well, kind of. Okay. He's approached by a soothsayer who says that he will die at the hand of a man named Cassius. Okay. I mean, common name, but sure. It is a pretty common name, but Caligula immediately thinks of Cassius Longinus, the proconsul of Asia, who's been causing him a little bit of trouble. Right. So he has Cassius Longinus arrested and executed. Cool. But the prophecy is not referring to that Cassius, (gasps) but a man by the name of Cassius Chirea. Okay. He was a member of a certain group. What group do you think it could be? Was it possibly the Praetorian Guard? It was indeed. The Roman Emperor's personal bodyguard who seemed to have always killed the Emperor. Yeah, pretty much. Why bother with them, I mean? Well, because they were effective at keeping the Senate in line. Okay. And you'll see why particularly so in a sec. All right. But Caligula... Once he was like had gotten rid of all his bonuses to the military and everything like that, he also turned on the Praetorian Guard. Bad move. Absolutely. One of the worst possible things you can do as emperor. He took away a lot of their rights yep. and publicly humiliated many of them, including Cassius Chirea. Oh, God. What did he do? Um, he would basically just berate him constantly in public and tell everyone how stupid and incompetent he was. Well, that's workplace bullying. I mean, it is, yes. You ought to get the union on them. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, no, the Praetorian Guard tend to be a bit more direct in how they deal with these manners. (laughs) Yeah. So Cassius Chirea, along with a few other conspirators basically decide they've had enough of Caligula. Yeah. And by this point, there have already been many plots to get rid of Caligula. Okay. Uh, a few of them have been found out. A few of them are still in kind of progress and a few didn't go anywhere, but there are a lot of them. Great. No one wants him on the throne anymore. But Cassius Chirea is probably the most direct because he is the Praetorian Guard and he is one of the closest Praetorian Guards to Caligula. Fabulous. Okay. So one evening Mm -hmm. Caligula goes out to see a play. Okay. Because these things always have to happen at a play. They really do. Yeah. Uh, Halfway through the play gets interrupted because one of the actors falls really ill. Mm -hmm. So Caligula who was meant to kind of go to a meet and greet afterwards. Right. 
uh, rather than going through the usual route, has to get funneled to this small tunnel in order to, you know, rec- be received by the throng. Okay, that's also such a thing in famous assassinations, yeah. is like redirections. Yeah. As he's halfway down the tunnel, mm-hmm. Cassius Chirea, along with the Praetorian Guard and a group of Imperial freedmen... Right. Basically, servants in the palace who used to be slaves but now serve the emperor. Okay. Um, they draw weapons and stab and beat Caligula to death. Nice. It's not quite as cool as Julius Caesar. It's not cool. It's much more vicious. Yeah. This was clear that they were furious with him. Yeah. Uh, Suetonius describes in great detail (laughs) how many times he gets stabbed and where he gets stabbed and beaten and hit in the face and everything like that yeah okay this does sound a lot more vicious and less of a public statement kind of thing absolutely and it causes a bit of chaos to uh, kind of uh, break out okay (laughs) because the praetorian guard essentially wanted to engage in a practice that was known as Domnatio Memoriae. Okay. It means the condemnation of memory. And it basically means that if someone is so hated and so unpopular, they will be wiped out of history. Stalin style. Stalin style. Nice. So they start going after anyone who's close to Caligula. Yep. They kill his fourth and final wife, who seemed to be his favourite wife. Right. Uh, It seems like she was kind of motherly to him, which I think is why she stuck around so long. I mean, creepy, but that makes sense. Yeah. Also, I was going to make a joke about like, and how did you like the play, Mrs. Caligula? (laughs) But now it's, and how did you like the play, Mrs. Caligula? Stabs her. (laughs) Caligula also had a daughter who was about two years old at this point. Suetonius says that the soldiers take her and dash her brains out against the wall. Mm. Yeah, which is pretty grim. Yeah. And this is also where we get the story of the next emperor. Because Caligula's uncle Mm -hmm. was a man named Claudius. Clavdivs! Clavdivs. And Claudius had basically managed to survive Caligula's reign by really being no trouble to him Mm. and seeming like he's really quite dumb. Yeah. Caligula used to uh, delight in humiliating him because of him being dumb and him having a stammer. Mm -hmm. And I think because of that, he never saw him as a threat. Yeah. So the story goes that Claudius... No, who knows what's going on is now like oh shit yeah i am this boy's uncle they're gonna kill me yeah so he hides behind a curtain yes and he waits and he gets found by a soldier mm-hmm. but the soldier rather than killing him is a member of the praetorian guard <laughs> okay. and says you you're gonna be the new emperor <laughs> Which is a hell of a sort of like... I love it. I love it as a story. I know it's probably not true at all, but isn't that just great? Absolutely. (laughs) You're like, oh God, this man's going to stab me. But basically, the, the, the kind of aftermath of Caligula is something that you kind of mentioned last time, which is like when an emperor dies, there tends to be this thing of, should we just go back to the Republic? Yeah. But the problem is, and this is why they're so important, the Praetorian Guard don't want that. Because if the Republic comes back, they're out of a job. Right. So the Praetorian Guard have a vested interest in making sure there is always an emperor. And this is the possibility of why this soldier was sent to retrieve Claudius, 
who would be a pretty mm. like decent choice for the next emperor. Really easy to puppet if exactly, he's that dumb. Exactly, exactly. Right. To just go, hey, yeah. you're emperor. Yeah. Come along now. Yeah, we're not going back to the Republic. Exactly. <laughs> we need that paycheck. Exactly. And that's pretty much why the Empire or the, the, that throne continues. That's wild. Because the Praetorian Guard want to keep their jobs. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then. Now, interestingly enough, Claudius does not order the Damnatio Memoriae for Caligula. Okay. And... This is one of the pieces of evidence that's used to suggest that some of these later stories of Caligula are kind of... uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Exaggerated. Exaggerated. Hyperbolical? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because if Caligula was truly as awful as these stories make out, like you, you yourself said, the senators would not have put up with this. Yeah. They would absolutely have revolted. There were already practices in place in Roman law in how to deal with like severely unstable people. He would absolutely have been kind of hidden away, put in isolation and mm-hmm. just kind of kept an eye on. Yeah. Um, and I imagine as his uncle, if he was that bad, you'd definitely want to erase that memory and exactly. be like, I'm completely different. Yeah. But if he's saying, okay, no, like we are going to remember that his reign happened and yeah. all of this kind of thing, then yeah, he can't have been, he can't have been that bad. No, right? Um the historian I mentioned, Alois Vinterling, also suggests that the rumours of the incestuous relationship was just further sort of calumnies just to be like, oh my God, wasn't he awful? Mm-hmm. Um, because he takes reference from the fact that some uh, writers of the era who were kind of writing alongside, not really about Caligula, yeah. but about people who definitely hated Caligula, mm. made no mention of this whatsoever. And right. that would have been like, if, if this was something that was like known or even if there were rumors it would have been politically quite valuable to say you know Caligula's committed incest because it was a bigger taboo then as it is now so kind of the proof of it not being true is very similar to that bonus episode that I did a while Mm. ago about um, topless sword fighting yes absolutely where it's like this was not mentioned by people who would have benefited from mentioning it exactly exactly Vinterling and uh, to a lesser extent, Dr. Rhiannon Evans put forward a kind of different spin on Caligula. Okay. And I'm going to talk about it, even though, you know, the episode's getting a bit long, but <laughs> I'm excited about it. Okay. And I, wa- I want to talk about it. And it's this idea that Caligula kind of viewed the world not so much as like a schizophrenic or something like that that we would kind of view him as now. Right. But more as a psychotic depressive. Okay, what is a psychotic depressive? So Caligula kind of saw, kind of like the Joker in the recent film. Okay. He basically sees the world as this awful place Mm -hmm. because of, you know... All the things that have happened to him. All the things that have happened to him. But he also kind of views it as a bit of a joke because Rome is full of unwritten laws and stuff that is, to him, absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. When he becomes emperor... The senators basically say, we will treat you as a god Mm -hmm. as long as you don't ask us to treat you as a god. Right. It's all that sort of like unwritten laws of like, oh my god, you are absolute divine ruler, but don't try and be one. Okay, it's a... 
like it's a really weird situation to be in yeah it's like i'm a god but i can't say yeah or like i know that i'm allowed to wear this and other people aren't yeah but yeah okay the suggestion is that caligula kind of sees this and goes no screw that yeah they're telling me I'm a god, but I can't do all these things. If they're if they're if they're like true to their word, yeah, they should allow me to. So I might as well act like you know a dick, right? Because I can, and they're just like they they view me as nothing, basically. Okay, so does does it seem then like he's actually trying to be more honest in a way than yes. other people? He thinks that the way that they're acting is kind of like. They're saying one thing, but acting another way. Yeah. Whereas he's going, okay, let's take this all through to its logical conclusion. Exactly. Okay. And this is a suggestion as to why the whole horse thing comes about. Right. Because it's kind of a thing of going, I might as well make my horse console because he would give better advice than you sycophants and yes men. Right. Okay. I mean, sure, why not? It's it's an interesting possibility. Mm. And I, I kind of think, you know, I think there's some merit to it. Yeah. Partly it's... because of how long Caligula lasted, considering he was yeah. so awful. It's reminding me a bit about the legend of Canute. Yes, absolutely. So this is one of those things that people have misinterpreted through yeah. history. Because the, the legend of Canute that everyone knows is of him being this really boastful person mm. who's like, I can turn back the waves. But actually, the original legend, which granted was like centuries after he'd yeah. actually lived, the original legend said that he was basically fed up with sycophants and yes men. Mm-hmm. And he said to them, do you think I could turn back the waves? And they're like, of course you could. You're that mm. amazing. And he went and stood and said, T- waves turn back. And then they didn't. And he got his feet wet back feet wet and he was like stop lying to me yeah. you're all idiots yeah um so i mean that's obviously like way less of a way to teach that lesson yeah but, but considering... i could see people getting into that kind of headspace yeah considering that the romans took a lot of things quite you know to the extreme yeah i could absolutely see caligula looking at this and being like this is utterly ridiculous how can we possibly live like this yeah i'm just going to you know do kind of what I want because that's what they're telling me. Sure. I mean, he knows that loads of people around him have been murdered and he knows that it's for bullshit made up reasons. So he's like, why not just acknowledge that that's a bullshit made up reason? We're just killing people because they're in our way. Yeah. So... I mean, I can can get behind that a bit. Like, obviously I wouldn't particularly want to live Caligula style. Oh no, absolutely. But I can understand his point of view if that is his point of view. I I think so. I think it's a really interesting take on it. And it's one that, you know, I'm I'm probably going to look further into because I found Mm. this subject fascinating. Yeah. And much more interesting than I thought I would. So I may go on a little Caligula binge to kind of have a think about it. But I think it's really interesting. And I think it really puts this new spin on the life of one of the maddest emperors, if we can even call him that. Mm-hmm. Was he mad or was he just really brutally honest? Well, that, <laughs> I mean, the thing is that depression's a form of madness and it yeah. does sound like the idea of it being a psychotic depression makes sense. I mean, I've had episodes where I've felt not psychotically depressed, but, you yeah, know, yeah. quite depressed. Yeah. And during that time, you start to see as the world as though... Like, in a really cynical light. It's a joke. It, yeah, yeah. And, and you think that everything's kind of fake. Yeah. And I could imagine taking that to the extreme yeah. and turning into 
I probably still wouldn't be Caligula. No, absolutely case. not. I don't <laughs> think any of us would really be Caligula. But then again, you also don't have the opportunity to be Caligula. <laughs> no, you can't be Caligula. So on that sad note, I think we're going to kind of end it there. All Thank right, you. Fine. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of That Time When. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at That Time When 4. Uh, you can email any suggestions to us at ttwpod at gmail.com. And if you give us a little shout out on Twitter, we'll give you a little shout out on the show. Help give us that Caligula level power so Indeed. we too can go mad. <laughs> Thank you as always to Kevin McLeod for our theme song, Anachronist, as well as any music that Barnaby's put into the podcast. And thank you for listening. Now go out, invest in eels, and love your horse. Goodbye.